0: Well, welcome, everyone. I guess if uh, we've never met, some introductions are in order. My name is Jeff. I'm the executive pastor here at Flipside. Um, Pastor Carl is in Florida this weekend. He's there for an Excel leadership conference. Uh, You've heard us talk about Excel Leadership Network, how we come along uh, church planters to equip church plants. And so he was there in Florida doing one of the uh, Discovery Center um, conferences this past weekend. And uh, he's having some trouble getting home. If you know anything about the weather across the nation right now, he was stranded last time I heard. So if he's watching online, Pastor Carl, I hope you have uh, gotten some news on that and booked a flight back here. Uh, Be praying for him. He says uh, nothing to worry about. It's just a pain, pain in the neck, travel bookings and flights and things like that. So he told me to tell you guys hi, and he misses you and that he's praying for us as well. So, in the meantime, that means we get to share some time together. I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about today. It's really, really close to my heart. Um, As I prepared for today, I was reminded of one of the things about life that I've never really gotten comfortable with. Uh, It was the same way when I was young, it was the same way when I was single. Uh, now that I'm not young and not single, it's still a thing in my life dealing with this idea of change, just how I approach and how I handle change in my life. Um, as a youngster, I always um, tried to avoid change. I, was, I used to work at a place where we called it pro-ret, you know, like you're stuck in a rut. We were all pro, we liked the some of you, Some of you know what I'm talking about. You like things a certain way. Don't hide the sugar from my coffee in the morning. I know I go, where, I go to a place where I know it is. I don't want any change involved there. I was like that when I was young. <clears throat> and it seems like I've gotten worse. It's gotten worse as I've gotten older. This idea of how I deal with change. Even the changes I know are coming. The positive changes. Like when I was engaged to be married, I, I, I was looking forward to that. It was a positive thing, and even though I mean I don't want to sound like you know now that I'm married oh man, but I was actually looking forward to it when I was engaged. But the fact that I knew a change was coming, a big change, you know, because everybody tells you before you get married oh when when once you get married or when you get married or you know I knew it was coming and I knew that I was looking at it in a positive light. But it didn't cure the anxiety that I had as the day got closer and closer, and then. I have three daughters. I remember vividly the month before our first daughter was born. Just, I mean, gut-wrenching anxiety. You You know for nine months that a baby's coming, but it doesn't cure the anxiety or at least the apprehension of a big change is coming. And then with the third one, I'd like to say it was all better now that I had done that before, but it wasn't. Still anxious. Oh, man. And my wife looked at me. My wife handles change a lot better than I do. She looked at me and she's like, we've done this before. What's your problem? I'm like, I, it's, it's a change. It's coming. <clears throat> so it's a good thing 2020 was so rock solid and nothing changed, right? <laughs> just, just even keel. No, no change. I can think of no shorter period of time where things changed more than 2020. More things changed more than in 2020. Businesses completely shifting the way they do operations. Kids getting out of school. I remember uh, my daughter was a junior last year. My middle daughter, she was a junior. And you kids in here that, you remember March 13th, right? I remember my daughter saying, if I would have only known that we were not going to be going back to school, I would have like hugged everybody and said my goodbyes and I had no idea that change was coming. It was kind of funny. I was talking to her. If, if you know the daughter I'm talking about, she's very dramatic. And I said, so how are you dealing with the change now? She goes, she literally, I wrote the quote down. She literally said this, I'm still recovering from that one. And the light inside me is dying. Now, she didn't say it. if you, like I said, if you know her, it was very dramatic and she performed it. But there's an element of truth there that that change had on a lot of people. I know I'm not alone in this. I talked to a lot of people who said, yeah, I just, I mean, the, the changes that came and still are coming are just enough already. I was thinking back to uh, September 11th, 2001. I remember that Monday night vividly. The Monday night football game the Raiders played the Broncos. Eddie McCaffrey broke his leg. I remember it like it was yesterday. We went to bed that night, and by the time we woke up the next morning, the world had changed literally overnight. So if you're here this morning and you're even like, you're a glasses half full kind of person, like I, I, I like the positive changes. You're just hoping things change back to normal, right? That's, that's, that's a big thing. I just want things to go back to normal. It's kind of funny. I talked to some junior high students. I'm like, you guys always say that. You act like everything was perfect before COVID. They're like, no, I just want things to go back to normal. But if they go back to normal, you know, you have the knowledge that they could change at any time again, right? I mean, that's a lot of people, a lot of us live our lives that way, right? We, we, we wait for the other shoe to drop. That's why it's so important to get a handle or to become familiar with what we're going to talk about here this morning. It's so important because the truth is many of us live our lives in fear, fear that something good is going to change to something bad, fear that something bad is going to change to something worse, fear that something worse is never going to change back to something good. And it just kind of repeats. Really fear is not the issue. Change is the issue. If things would just stop changing, right? You parents understand this. If you've ever told your kids, just if you if you, if you have to use it, just use it. But don't break it and put it back after you're done with it. But dad, it doesn't work I know it, but at least it works. Just don't don't change it. Don't change anything. As we look at the Bible, when we as we kind of break this apart a little further, and we look at the Bible, with with regard to change, we see that a lot of the most recognizable Bible stories and a lot of the most prominent Bible figures were not immune to this idea of change. As a matter of fact, many of them were on the receiving end of some of the biggest changes we could ever imagine. In the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. it records the story of a guy named Abraham, but at this time in his life, his name was Abram. And he was God's chosen person to become the patriarch of what would be the Jewish nation. God's chosen people. And we, we, it records a dialogue between God and Abram. And one of the first things God tells him is, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to a land I will show you. How's that for specific? Abram, I've got a big change in store for you. Leave all the familiarity of your country. Leave the familiarity of your people and your family. And go to a vague place that I have yet to tell you about. Change your life. Uproot everything. and do it now. If you were here for Christmas Eve service, we talked about the Christmas story. About how an angel was sent to visit a young girl named Mary, and how he had a message of change for her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "Mary, don't be afraid. You've found favor with God. Good news. But some big change come in your way. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus." To which Mary, I would imagine, responded, "Hold on a second here. I've got questions. I've got questions about this change because this is kind of a big deal for me. I was talking with someone last week and we were discussing these these stories of, of biblical figures and stories from the Bible about people who were confronted with change. And he mentioned one that I had forgot, but I thought, wow, I wonder what I would do if I was challenged with this type of change. It's a dialogue between a man who we don't know his name and Jesus and the dialogue is very interesting. The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark outlines this for us. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Wow. Why not just level in with both barrels? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God. Remember that sentence right there. We're going to come back to that a little later. Jesus answered, you know, the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony or lie, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Wow, that's a tall order right there. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. That is bold. No change necessary. May I, be, may I go on my way? Jesus said, hold up. There's one more thing I want to talk to you about. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. How about that for a change? I don't know how I would have responded to that one right there. I would love to say, since we're sitting in church and it's a Sunday morning, I'd have been like, this guy's a joke. I would have said, yes, absolutely. But come on, that's a big change. So, if the people in the Bible aren't immune to it, chances are not, we're not going to be immune to it either, right? The thing we dread and fear so much, change, is just a thing that we are called to live with. It's always going to be there. It'll be an ever-present thing that we have to grapple with. So, what we're going to talk about here this morning is very important that we get a handle. At least we tr- start to, to try to get a handle on this idea of change. Change. What does God say about it? What does God have to say about this? We've been in this series called, Who is God? When you, when you go to sign on the dotted line with something, chances are you ask questions. What am I signing up for? What is this thing that you're calling me into uh, a relationship with or to give my life to in some sense? We've talked about the attributes of God, these individual components that as a whole make up God. Things like the three omnis that we talked about, omniscient, he's all-knowing, God is all-knowing, there's nothing he doesn't know. He's omnipresent, he's everywhere, there's nowhere we can go where God is not. He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Today, we're going to talk about another attribute of God that declares God is this word right here, immutable. He's immutable. It goes back to that word mutate, to change. Some of you guys have teenagers who have taken food into their rooms and it has mutated (laughs) and taken the dish with it that you took it in there or that they took it in there with. It's this idea of, of substantial change and the fact that God is immutable. God does not change. When change is the ever-present reality for us as his creation, the creator does not change. What does the Bible have to say about that? The Old Testament, many of the books in the Old Testament are made up of, of books with um, the names of prophets assigned to them. And the way the Old Testament ends is with a book by a, that has the name of a prophet called Malachi. Malachi. And Malachi and God enter into this dialogue. And God says to him, Malachi, I want you to write this down. Tell the people this. I, the Lord, what? I do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. In the New Testament, James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, the Father of heavenly lights, God the Father, Who does not change like shifting shadows. Think of a shadow. Think of your shadow. You step out of the way, your shadow moves. It's very mobile. Or a more stationary shadow cast by a tree. The sun moves, the shadow moves. God says, I'm not like shifting shadows. I don't change. The Old Testament book of Numbers says, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Another prophet of the Old Testament, Samuel, says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. So, on one hand, you have us, creation, changing all the time. Some changes we know are coming, some changes just hit us from the blind side. And you have God, the creator, does not change. Not able to be changed. Doesn't change over time and will not change over time. This fact can present a real problem for us. Trying to rectify those two things can create a real problem for us or or at best a certain amount of confusion, right? This series that we've been in has been pretty weighty. If you've left here on any of the Sundays in the last six weeks, you might have been scratching your head thinking, what? What just happened? There's some, there's some lofty weighty stuff. And today's idea of immutability, God being immutable, when you try to rectify that with the fact that our world is changing all the time, creates at best a certain amount of confusion. God says, I do not change. This can actually though be a real game changer for many of us. It can be the thing that takes us from being paralyzed by fear to a place where we can actually say, okay, I know things change, but I serve a God that doesn't change. That's a real easy thing to say when we're sitting here in church on a Sunday morning. Or at least a little more doable thing when we're sitting in church on a Sunday morning. But when we're out in the real world, and the bullets of life are flying, how easy is it to calmly say, yes, I know things change, but I serve a God that doesn't change. It's almost laughable, right? But if we start to wrap our minds around it a little bit better, we realize that that's a good thing, or at least it starts out as being a good thing. Because one of the things we have to flesh out if we're going to get to a place where we want to be, is that God is not only immutable, but he's good. Very important here. God, great, he doesn't change, but he better be good. Otherwise, that's a big cause for hopelessness and despair, right? Have you ever heard that? And I hate this phrase. Have you ever heard the phrase, it is what it is? It is what it is. Nobody ever says, it is what it is. Nobody ever says that. Everybody always uses that phrase in a negative way. I know she's crazy. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> They're nuts. It is what it is. If God is immutable, but he's not good, that sucks. So what does the Bible have to say about God's goodness? We shouldn't speculate about this. It's too important. Back to that passage, that verse from James, I left out the first part intentionally so we could come back and talk about it. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Any and every good and perfect gift comes down from God. Peter, a disciple who walked with Jesus, says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand, as some understand slowness and said, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's good news. I used to get teased all the time, and I still do to a certain extent by my own family for being the most impatient person they have ever spent time with ever. I get, I mean, they can, they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, dad, you're, you're getting to the point. They know they're like, my patience is running out. My patience reservoir is almost empty. God says, I don't change and I'm good in that regard. I'm patient. I don't want anyone to perish. I want everyone to come to repentance. The Bible also says this, give thanks to the Lord for he is what? His love endures how long? Forever. Forever. Some translations pick that, they they specify what that love, what type of love that is. It says his mercies endure forever. The apostle Paul started many, many early churches of that first century around that Mediterranean area. And in order to keep them encouraged, he wrote letters to them. I don't know that he knew his letters would become so, so prominent. They actually made it into the Bible. And one of the letters he wrote was in a church called Galatia. That letter to the Galatians, he kind of picks what it it means for God to be good. He kind of picks it apart. He says, these things, the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things are good. That is good news. If God is that, that is good news for us. And then he actually, in different parts of Scripture, makes the contrast between his goodness and us. Paul writes to Timothy under the inspiration of God. He says this, if we are faithless, which let's face it, in many times, in many circumstances, in many situations, we are. If we are faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. His his goodness is not based on us. I really, really like that fact. Back to our story about Abraham, the writer of the book of Hebrews kind of gives us a glimpse into some details of that. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for God to swear by, he swore by himself. He said, since I'm the only one worthy uh, uh, to to seal this promise, I'm going to swear by myself. Why? Because I don't change. Once it's it's locked in, it's locked in. It's never going to change. So why do we need to know this? So what? When we first moved to the Ranchos, I, I was a soccer coach for my uh, two oldest daughters. They played in the little the, the little, the rec league here. And at that age, um, the boys and the girls played together. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And we had this little boy on our team, this little first grade boy. And his response to everything was, so what? He was, he was such a brat. <laughs> I'm picturing him right now in my mind. I want to grab him. Uh, Everything was, so what? So what? I'm like, they cleared the ball. You didn't drop back. So what? And then I realized he hated to lose. So I would weave every story back back around to the fact that we might lose the game. Like, because we might lose the game. But he's, so what? We should ask that question. So what? Why do we need to know this? The point for today is this. Because God does not change, we can live in a world that does. We can live in a world that does change because God does not. Not just live, not just just exist, not languish, but Jesus said, I have come so that you could have life and have it in abundance, an abundant life. Because God does not change, we can live in a world that does, and that is good news. A world where change is inevitable, it's a given. It's not a matter of if things will change, it's a matter of when. And if 2020 taught us anything, it's, it can shift hourly. Otherwise, this is real bad news for us. We can just be adrift. We can wander aimlessly for years, always afraid of what's coming next. We could live from crisis to crisis. The fact that God is good and that his goodness does not change should be great comfort for us. But it also should give us the opportunity for great self-inventory as well. We can look back and say, if there's anything that's out of step in my life, if there's anything that I'm being rebellious about, it's not like God is going to say, okay, I give, you wore me down. I remember when my kids were in middle school, there were times where I was like, okay, you, I give, you wore me down. I'm going to change everything about how I'm parenting you because I'm just so worn out. That's why it counts to know this. That's why we need to know this. But like I used to tell my kids, it's one thing to know something, but it's a different thing to do something about it. I used to tell them, you you need to clean your room. I know. I said, so now you've made it worse because you knew, but you didn't do it. So what do we do? What do we do with what we're talking about here this morning? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to a saving faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And that enables you to live the life we're talking about. You may have forgotten what that means or the nonstop change of life has just pushed it to the back of your mind. But the truth is... If you have said yes to Jesus, you have the ability to do this living on the inside of you. So here's the challenge I wanna make to everybody this week. If you've put your faith in Jesus, the challenge is this. This coming week, between now and next Sunday, I want you to look for times, look for situations, look for circumstances in your life where you've realized this is a change. It was either a change that I knew about on Sunday and I knew I was gonna have to wait till Wednesday for it to get here, or it's Monday morning and it's just hit me from the blind side. When you identify that, I want you to remember this moment right now. Remember this moment right now and say, I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me that enables me to say, God, because you don't change, I can live in a world that does. If you're here this morning and you have not put your faith in Christ, the what do I do is actually quite simple. The what do you do is you ask Jesus into your heart. You ask Jesus into your life to be your personal savior. Why is this important? Because it could be the thing that decides where you spend eternity. It could mean the difference between you living in a world where change just seems to come by happenstance. No rhyme or reason. Live from calm to crisis. To you actually living the abundant life that Jesus talks about. I talked to a high school student recently. And, and he's one of these, one of these people that has a, a strength called connectedness. He's always looking for how the events of life are connected. Like, I stopped into the gas station uh, because I was, I was running out of gas. But if I hadn't stopped there, I never would have met him. And if I never would have met him, I never would have gone to that group. And if I never would have gone to that group, I never would have met her. And if I never would have met her, I wouldn't be madly in love like I am right now. You know, he's, he's able to connect it all. And I said, let me make this real, real simple. Anything that has been allowed into your life or, are, or are ordained by God Before you put your faith in Christ is for one single solitary reason. And that is for you to come to a saving relationship with Jesus. To put your faith in him as your personal savior. One single reason. That's it. Imagine if the only thing stopping you from living a life like we actually believed that because God does not change, we can live in a world that does, was you saying yes to Jesus. As we close our service today, if you've never done that, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing complicated about it. You just say a prayer. So if you've never done that, I'm going to invite you to do that with me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I believe that sin has separated me from you. I right now believe that your death on the cross paid for that sin. I invite you into my heart to be my personal Savior. I commit my life to you. In your name I pray, amen. If you're here this morning and you've never said that prayer and this morning was the first time you said that, we have these little cards that are on the backs of the chairs. We would love to know. There's a party in heaven going on right now, by the way, if you've just said that. We would love to know. We would love to celebrate with you. We're a staff of about seven. We're not going to take these cards and post pictures on social media. We're not going to make a a little collage on a wall somewhere. This is just so that we can not only celebrate with you, but if you have any questions, we'd love to help you out in that regard. Because God does not change, we can live in a world that does and have an abundant life. Join me in prayer. Father, you are the promise maker, but better than that, you are the promise keeper. And we thank you so much for that, that in a world that changes almost hourly, we can live an abundant life in that world knowing that we are safe in your arms. We ask you this week. Whether we still have yet to put our faith in you, Jesus, or whether we are years into it, we ask that you help us to remember what we've been challenged with to do this week. In this world that is continually changing, help us to love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.